Welcome to Witchcraft Texas Style. My name is Liz. On today's episode of Witchcraft Texas Style, we are going to be talking about Odin's discovery of the runes. One form of divination is to use the runes, and I wanted to go ahead and show what the runes are, how they came about. So let's go ahead and dive into it. I, I will go ahead and post links on what I'm reading from, where I found it. It's actually from a an internet page called Norse Mythology for Smart People. Had it been called anything else, it really don't. The name wasn't something that I focused on. I actually like the story and how it's told. Let's go ahead and get into it. So the Norse god Odin is a relentless seeker after knowledge and wisdom and is willing to sacrifice almost anything for this pursuit. The most outstanding feature of his appearance, his one eye attests to this. He sacrificed his other eye for more wisdom. The tale of how he discovered the runes is another example of how the unquenchable thirst for understanding the mysteries of life, not to mention his unstoppable will. The runes are written letters that were used by Norse and other Germanic peoples before the adoption of the Latin alphabet in the later Middle Ages. Unlike Latin alphabet, which is essentially utilitarian script, the runes are symbols of some of the most powerful forces in the cosmos. In fact, the word rune and its cognates, uh, and its cognates across and present Germanic language mean both letter and secret mystery. The letters called runes allow one to access, interact with, and influence the world-shaping forces they symbolize. Thus, when Odin sought the runes, he wasn't merely attempting to acquire a set of arbitrary representations of human vocal sounds. Rather, he was uncovering an extraordinarily potent system of magic. Odin's discovery of the runes at the center of the Norse cosmos stands the great tree, Yggdrasil. Idrasil's super branches, Radal, Asgard, the home of the fortress of the Iser gods and goddesses of whom Odin is the chief. Idrasil grows out of the well of Erd, a pool whose fathomless depths hold many of the most powerful forces and beings in the cosmos. In the cosmos, among these beings are the Norns. Three sages, maidens, who created the fates of all beings. 
One of the foremost techniques they use to shape the fate is carving runes into Yggdrasil's trunk. So they would carve these runes onto the trunk of the tree of Yggdrasil. The symbols then carry these intentions throughout the tree, affecting everything in the nine worlds. So these trees, the roots, everything about this tree, it goes ahead and it carries out the intentions into the nine worlds, which is part of where Odin watches over. So Odin watched the Norns from his seat in Asgard and envied their powers and their wisdom. And he bent his will towards the task of coming to know the runes. So he wanted to know the runes. He really wanted to know them. Since the runes native home is the veil of Erd with the Norns. And since the runes do not reveal themselves to any but those who prove themselves worthy of such fearful insights and abilities, Odin hung himself from the branch of Yggdrasil, pierced himself with a spear, and peered downward into the shadowy waters below. He forbade any of the other gods to grant him the slightest aid not even a sip of water, and he stared downward and stared downward. He called to the rune. It's funny though because when it says here that he hung himself from a branch, it's kind of interesting because doesn't that also remind you of the tarot card? I think we all know which tarot card, the hangman. Um, if you look at the tarot card of the hangman, you will notice on the tree trunk. If I'm not mistaken, there is also actually some carvings on there. Take out your deck. If you read tarot or just look it up online, look up Hanged Man tarot card and you will notice that the Hanged Man is hanged upside down and that there are carved. So he survived in this state teetering on the, on the precipice that separates the living from the dead for no less than nine days and nights. At the end of the ninth night, he at last perceived shapes in the depths, the runes. They had accepted his sacrifice and shown themselves to him, revealing to him not only their forms, but also the secrets that lie within, within them. Having fixed his knowledge in his formidable memory, Odin ended his ordeal with a scream of exhaustion. Having been initiated into the mysteries of the runes, Odin recounted, Then I was fertilized and became wise. I truly grew and thrived. From a word to a word, I was led to a word. From a work to a work, I was led to a work. Equipped with the knowledge of how to yield the runes, he became one of the mightiest and most accomplished beings in the cosmos. He learned chants. That enabled him to heal emotionally and bodily wounds, to to bind his enemies and render their weapons worthless, to free himself from constraints that put out fires, to expose and banish practitioners of malevolent magic, to prevent his friends in battle, to protect his friends in battle, to wake the dead, to win and keep a lover, and to perform many other feats like these. Our source for the above tale is the Havanal, an old Norse poem that accompanies that compromised part of the poetic era. In the first of two verses that describe Odin's shamanic initiatory ordeal itself, written from Odin's perspective, 
the God says that he was given to Odin himself. The old Norse phrase that translates to English as given to Odin is Geffen Odni, a phrase that occurs many times throughout the Eddas and sagas in the text and sagas in the context of human sacrifices to Odin. And in fact, the form of these sacrifices takes mirrors. Odin's ordeal in the Havamal, the victim in a verily of noble birth, was stabled, hung, or commonly both at the same time. Odin's ordeal is therefore a sacrifice of himself to himself and the ultimate Odinic, Odinic sacrifice for who would be nobler offering to the god than the god himself. So it seems that the statement above is in need of qualification. Part of Odin survived the sacrifice in order to be the recipient of the sacrifice in addition to the runes themselves and another part of him did indeed die. This suggests that this is suggested not just by the imaginary of death in these verses but also the imaginary of rebirth and fecundity in the following verses that speak of his being fertilized and like a seedling growing and thriving. Even a casual browsing of the Eddas and Sagas alerts the reader to how accomplished, self-possessed, and inwardly, inwardly strong many of their central figures are, especially the most Odinic of them, such as Eagle. Perhaps their strength of character was largely due to the example set by their divine patron. With the song sung in his honor telling of how he wasn't afraid to sacrifice what, what we might call his lower self to his higher self, to live accordingly to his highest will unconditionally, accepting whatever hardships arise from that pursuit, allowing nothing, not even death, to stand between him and the attainment of his goals. That is very deep. That goes into it as far as Odin sacrificing himself for himself and sacrificing the old part of him for the new part of him. It goes back to us and talking about how our old self, if we're ready for the change, we sacrifice our old self for the new self. But if we're not, we grow accustomed to the old way of self, which is like, for example, um, my 20s. My 20s were full of me uh, probably drinking drugs and a bunch of other stuff, right? But as I got older, um, I had to sacrifice those things in order so I can move forward and learn other things. Because it seems feasible that you could do it all that you can, I guess, drink and party and still get up in the morning to either go to school or carry on or be a seeker to seek knowledge. But unfortunately, one is going to outweigh the other one. So your passion, your new passion, you have to extinguish or let the, let me put this in candle terms in a candle metaphor okay so 
So you have two candles, right? And your one candle is still burning, but you want to move on to the other one. Well, if you light both of those candles in that little environment, you're basically making more heat than what needs to be made from because it should only be one flame at a time and that's for a reason because you can only do so much so if you turn on the other flame that is double heat double heat isn't needed so it it creates pressure and then that pressure goes ahead and other things start falling apart and before you know it you've already were forced one way or another to change because that candle that first candle that you lit is going to eventually go out. But to give yourself a smooth transition would be to let the first candle burn out. And as the last one is burning out, to burn the new one. It's mostly about timing and change. But I can definitely see how all of this can help your life and how I can apply it to mine to move forward. Sometimes it's hard to want to let go of certain things because you think that if you let them go that they won't be there, but they served a purpose in that time. So now it's time to move forward to knowledge because that is what we strive for in life, knowledge. It was great talking to you, everyone today. I hope you guys learned a little bit, just like I learned a little lot of bit, a little lot of bit. So I will see you. Well, I will. We will hear from each other next time. If you want to send any messages, please go ahead and send them. Anything that any suggestions or anything that you might have. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day or night or good night. Good morning. Good evening. All of the above. But thank you very much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.